Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Larry Spargimino and James Collins share the latest headlines from the end times. But first, I want to ask you a question. Do you know what the metacosm is? The metacosm is a domain of extra-dimensional transfers and other paradoxical phenomena. The late Dr. Chuck Missler, who gained international recognition as a Bible scholar, author, and teacher, taught on the metacosm. Through digital technology, we are able to hear the keen insight and teaching on denizens of the metacosm and the encroaching darkness from Dr. Chuck Missler himself. Staff evangelist James Collins is here to help guide us through this fascinating teaching. Dr. Chuck Missler was an internationally known author. He was one of the best-known Bible expositors in the world, and he was a prominent speaker on the subject of Bible prophecy. Dr. Chuck Missler was featured on many Christian radio and television programs over his career, including this one. He passed away in May of 2018, but his legacy continues through his many hours of recordings and his many volumes of writings. Chuck Missler was one of my personal favorite Bible teachers, so I was very excited recently when I came across some video presentations by Chuck in the archives of Prophecy in the News. These two presentations were recorded in 2013 at the Prophecy in the News Prophecy Summit. Now, for the first time, these two outstanding End Times presentations are available on a new DVD titled The Denizens of the Metacosm and the Encroaching Darkness. Today, we're going to listen to portions of an interview that Chuck recorded after he made these two outstanding presentations. Before I get to that audio, let me explain the title of Chuck's presentation, The Denizens of the Metacosm and the encroaching darkness. What does that mean? Well, a denizen is an inhabitant or an occupant of a particular place. The metacosm is an area that is located beyond our present limits. So a denizen of the metacosm is a being that lives in the unseen realm. This was Chuck Missler's way of describing what most people call aliens. He had this to say when he was asked why he studied aliens and UFOs. I really came at this whole subject because of my love for the Bible. It happens that I come out of an information science background. My whole career, 30 years in the strategic community, gives me perhaps a little different perspective than most people would have going at this topic. But I want to right up front indicate it was my biblical interest that brought me into this rather than my high-tech background, although that's proven to be that and my Department of Defense connections have been very valuable to me. So that's one of the reasons I find myself in this peculiar posture. Chuck Missler went on to say that his study of UFOs and aliens began with Jesus, but led him to Genesis 6. I start with Jesus, and in Matthew 24, he gives four disciples an inside briefing on a second coming. And in that briefing, he makes a very strange remark. He says, as the days of Noah were, so shall the days of the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, many people presume he just meant that it was because of the business of usual. So anyway, understand what the days of Noah were like in order to understand what he was saying. 
jump into Genesis 6, you quickly discover that very few seminaries teach what that passage really says. And so, as you get into Genesis 6, you have to understand the first two verses are one sentence. And it deals with this strange goings-on between the fallen angels producing hybrids with humans. That was so uncomfortable in the early years of the church that it was the understanding of the early rabbis. It was also the understanding of the early church that what it was dealing with was fallen angels cohabiting with human women producing a strange hybrid offspring. But when you get to about the 5th century, that was a very uncomfortable posture. So they cooked up this, what they call the lines of Seth argument, and that's what's taught in most seminaries. One of the things I discover is that many people haven't been taught that there are different perspectives of Genesis 6, and it's the literal, careful study version of Genesis 6 that starts to raise the fog on this whole issue. The Nephilim are mentioned just before the flood account in Genesis 6-4, which states, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Let's listen again as Chuck Missler explains the word Nephilim. In the Hebrew, it comes from the verb nephal. It means the fallen ones. Don't confuse that with the fallen angels. The fallen angels, according to Genesis 6, cohabited with human women to produce a hybrid offspring that are called in the Hebrew the Nephilim. In the Septuagint version of the Old Testament, the translation of the Old Testament into Greek, they use the word gigantes, which is transliterated giants. They did happen to be giants, but that's not what the word means. The word actually means, in the Greek, the earthborn. From the Greek point of view, they're earthborn. From the Hebrew point of view, they're the fallen ones. But either way, they're pointing to a hybrid, and it apparently was part of Satan's plan to contaminate the messianic line. In the denizens of the metacosm and the encroaching darkness, Chuck Missler teaches that the purpose of the universal flood of Noah was to destroy the Nephilim. You study verse 9 of Genesis 6, it speaks of Noah that his genealogy was untainted, unblemished. And apparently it was a distinctive in that sense. He may not have been the only one unblemished, but the fact that he was unblemished qualified him for what God was going to do, among other things. But the point is, the whole issue that God chose to do was to save eight people in the ark and erase the blackboard. However, Chuck Missler went on to explain that the flood did not end the evil of the Nephilim. Genesis 6 verse 4 says there were Nephilim in the land in those days, comma, and also after that. Many good Bible scholars miss this, that you really won't understand subsequent events in the Old Testament by not realizing it happened again. When God in Genesis 15 and Genesis 17 confirms the land covenant to Abraham, he tells Abraham that he and his descendants are going to be away for 400 years, but after 400 years, they're going to return. That gave Satan the realization that he had four centuries to lay down a minefield. And that's why when Moses enters the land at Kadesh Barnea, he sends in the 12 reconnoiters, if I can call them that. They come back, and Numbers 13, verse 33 says they were in Nephilim in the land. So it happened again.
I'm James Collins, and today we are listening to portions of an interview with Bible prophecy teacher Chuck Missler. The interview was recorded back in 2013 when Chuck made these two presentations at the Prophecy in the News Prophecy Summit. Recently, these presentations were found in the archives of Prophecy in the News and are now available for the first time on DVD. Chuck Missler's The Denizens of the Metacosm and the Encroaching Darkness is our featured resource of the day. We are also excited to offer Chuck Missler's book, Prophecy 2020, Profiling the Future Through the Lens of Scripture. You can purchase your copy of The Denizens of the Metacosm and the Encroaching Darkness DVD and the book, Prophecy 2020, right now by calling 1-800-652-1144 or you can order online at swrc.com. Chuck Missler said that he was confused as to why the United States government had for years covered up what it knew about UFOs. He said this was especially true concerning the Roswell incident. One of the great mysteries in this whole area is why the cover-ups by all the governments, most by the United States, other countries are starting to release those information. But in the United States, there is a deliberate attempt to hide this area, and that's the biggest mystery isn't this one. The biggest one is Roswell. Why is the Roswell incident back in 1947 enjoy a higher level of classification than our most sensitive warheads? And it's a mystery. I don't have a conjecture as to why they're doing it, but it's clear two presidents and four congressmen have been unable to crack the security that surrounds the Roswell incident. Why? That was 60 years ago. Obviously, there's all kinds of bizarre stories that have come out of that experience. But the real mystery to me isn't that. The real mystery is why is it classified? Why does the government hide it? Missler went on to explain that even though the Roswell UFO crash was originally reported to the media, the story quickly changed. Blanchard, the colonel of the base, when the Roswell thing first happened, issued a press release that a saucer had landed and so forth. Within a few hours... 400 miles away, the Brigadier General in charge of the 8th Air Force countermanded that press release and hatched this story about it was a weather balloon and so forth. That starts a whole series of the silliest, most inane cover-up stories. There's been a sequence of them. First it was a weather balloon. Well, that didn't fly. And to the community, it's almost insulting because the cover-up stories are so so ridiculous. It's interesting that when Brigadier General Ramey made his press release countermanding Blanchard's, the press took pictures. Many years later, just a few years ago, a guy by the name of Johnson who took the picture, we were able to get the negatives, and by using advanced digital analysis of the negatives, an analyst by the name of Rudiak was able to use advanced information techniques to unravel some words that were on the memo that was in Ramey's hand. And it speaks of the victims and the disc that crashed. And there are victims. See, the stories have always said there were four bodies, three were dead, one was still alive. That was the unconfirmed rumors that we heard. Well, it turns out that that unraveling is regarded as the smoking gun because it demonstrates that the Air Force has been lying all along. Chuck Missler went on to say that there are two problems that UFOs have. The UFOs have two problems. The one problem is they are tangible. They show up on multiple radars. They leave physical evidence, burnt ground and radioactivity and so forth. Radar sets don't have hallucinations. On the other hand, they make right angle turns at exotic speeds. They go faster than the speed of sound without sonic booms. They do things that seem to violate physical laws, and yet they are physical in one sense, and yet they're not physical in another. Now, the other area we need to just acknowledge 
is this is the toughest area to research, not only because of all the hoaxes that are in this area, is because of the deliberate disinformation by the government trying to hide these areas. The net reality is Jacques Vallée, the Frenchman, and J. Allen Hynek, the American, are probably the two most reputable researchers. They both came to the conclusion that these things are hyperdimensional. They're not extragalactical. That's a very fundamental insight, by the way, because they seem opposed to being something that they're not. But the real point is that we're dealing here with a phenomenon that bridges the physical reality we understand and a reality that's outside that. One of the things we've discovered just in the last few years is that some of the constants of physics are changing that we thought were constant. And Scientific American, June 2005, ran an article in which they pointed out if the constants of physics are changing, that implies that our physical reality is actually a subset, a shadow of a larger reality. And when you start dealing in the UFO area, that's one of the other demonstrations that there is a hyperdimensional aspect to this. Alien abduction refers to the phenomenon of people reporting the experience of being kidnapped by extraterrestrial beings and subjected to physical and psychological experimentation. People claiming to have been abducted are usually called abductees. Let's listen again to Chuck Missler as he speaks about abductees. That is the spookiest side of this whole area. Probably the classic author in this area is Dr. John Mack, head of psychiatry for Harvard Hospital. He's written a book on this whole area. And there was a conference at MIT on this whole subject. There are enormous numbers of people, some estimates are over 1% of the population, maybe as high as 2 or 3%, claim to have had an experience which involves being abducted by these vehicles or whatever. And now their stories are too bizarre to accept on the one hand. On the other hand, when you profile these people, they're above average intelligence, no prior psychiatric history, clearly subject to some serious trauma and not anxious. They're almost trying to hide the stories. In fact, that was Max's challenge to the conference at MIT. He says, if what these people say is happening isn't happening, what is happening? Because these stories all have common links. Could the increase in UFO activity be part of the deception of the end times? The Bible doesn't directly address the issue, but it is certainly plausible, as Chuck Missler explains. I do suspect that the UFOs are, in effect, a modern-day echo, if you will. And that may be what Jesus was talking about when he says, as the days of Noah were, that he's implying a parallelism. And so that's why we got interested in this in the first place. And if that's true, we can test it very simply, because if we're correct, these events are going to increase as we get increasingly closer to what we call the end times. In Daniel chapter 2, we have the famous image of Nebuchadnezzar and the uh, iron mixed with clay. And when Daniel goes to explain what the miry clay is, he says, as for the miry clay, comma, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Now, I've had the exegetical experts confirm this. He shifts to a personal pronoun. But the they has to be something other than the seed of men in order for them to mingle it with this. Just grammatically, it requires that. That leads to a speculation. What are we talking about here? One of the possibilities is that we're dealing here with something that's not the seed of men, namely Nephilim, hybrids. And that's a hint there that there will be a proliferation of hybrids at the end times because that's what Daniel's talking about. So that's a staggering verse to deal with. One of the passages in the Bible that people often struggle with is in the book of Joshua where God tells the Israelites to kill all the inhabitants of Canaan, men, women, and children. Let's listen again as Dr. Chuck Missler shares his thoughts on this controversial subject. 
Yeah, when you read that as a New Testament reader, you're shocked because God tells Joshua to wipe out every man, woman, and child of four key tribes. And that shocks the New Testament reader because we don't understand that there is a gene pool problem again. We understand Genesis 6, the flood of Noah, was dealing, among other things, with a gene pool problem in the human predicament. What we don't realize is that Satan had again laid down a minefield in Canaan because when he found out from God's revelation to Abraham that his descendants would be away and then return after 400 years, that gave Satan 400 years to lay down a minefield. When you study the book of Judges geographically, you discover that they didn't follow through in certain areas, their instructions. The places they missed was a place called Bashan. We call that the Golan Heights today. There's other areas, the central part, that we would call Judea and Samaria, but now it's called the West Bank. And there's the third area, a place called Gaza. And you stand back for that and you realize those areas where they failed to follow through in the book of Judges are the same areas that are under dispute today. And you begin to realize that there's a demon overlay on human history here that we need to understand. The UFO phenomenon is demonic in origin. I don't believe if even J. Allen Hyde and Jacques Vallée concluded they're not intergalactical for a number of good physical reasons. We believe they're hyperdimensional, they're demonic. They also pretend to be something they're not. That means that one of their tools is deceptions. That gives us a perspective of where they stand biblically. They are real today and that they are demonic in their root purpose. And so that creates a danger to anyone that isn't tutored in this area. And that's one reason that we included in our materials in terms of our own spiritual hygiene. Chuck Missler believed that the current UFO phenomenon was setting the stage for the end of this present age. It looks like it's very easy to see how this could have a major role in setting the stage if we understand the classical biblical scenario. And that's one reason when you go at this area, your primary study should be to understand what the Bible has said all along is the destiny of man and the forward history of governments. And so as we watch every day, that, as we look at our newspaper and see where the world is going, not just in this area, the whole geopolitical horizon is converging. The more you know about your Bible and the more you know about what's really going on in the geopolitical horizon, the more you see the convergence. We're plunging in to the climax of human history. Dr. Chuck Missler's two outstanding presentations on denizens of the metacosm and the encroaching darkness are now available in their entirety. These teachings were originally presented live at the Prophecy Summit hosted by Prophecy in the News. They are now available on DVD. Order The Denizens of the Metacosm and the Encroaching Darkness by Chuck Missler today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Dr. Larry Spargimino joins James Collins now with headlines from the End Times. Welcome to Headlines from the End Times. Each day we see more and more signs that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we seek to make sense of the nonsense and sound the alarm of the truth of Bible prophecy in current events. Our first story comes to us from Davos, Switzerland, where Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum are calling for an end to private car ownership in the name of saving the world 
from a climate change disaster by reducing the need for green tech resources. According to the World Economic Forum, critical metals such as cobalt, lithium, and nickel, all of which are used in clean energy technologies, are in short supply. And while the World Economic Forum says recycling old tech that uses these metals could lessen the impact of the shortages, it's simply not enough. So, the globalists at the World Economic Forum have come up with a solution. They say that everyone in the world should, quote, go from owning to using, close quotes. Instead of owning a car, the World Economic Forum says you should take a bus or some sort of ride share. Klaus Schwab and his globalist World Economic Forum are the biggest pushers of the New World Order on this planet. And they're also the biggest hypocrites. I'll make a deal with billionaire Klaus Schwab. I will give up my truck and take the bus as soon as you, Mr. Schwab, give up your limousine and gas-guzzling private jet aircraft. Give me a break. In other news, the Presbyterian Church of the United States of America more commonly known as the PCUSA, recently announced their, quote, Queering the Bible Project, close quotes. According to a PCUSA spokesman, the inspiration for Queering the Bible came from, quote, a desire to go beyond rainbow flags and t-shirts to celebrate homosexuality and go deeper in our welcoming of queer folk, close quote. The PCUSA's Queering of the Bible project kicked off with a LGBTQ 16-part study of the Gospel of Mark. Well, friends, this is absolute blasphemy. The Bible warns in the book of Revelation that if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book, close quotes. Unless those responsible for this blasphemous querying the Bible project repent and turn to Christ, they will bust the gates of hell wide open. Amen. Our next story is an update to an ongoing story that we've been reporting on. Beginning in early May, vandalism attacks against churches, pro-life pregnancy centers, maternity homes, and other pro-life organizations have been reported across the country. These attacks have taken the form of vulgar graffiti, property damage, threats, theft, physical violence, and even arson. As of today, there have been over 100 incidents of attacks against churches and pro-life organizations since the draft of the Supreme Court decision which overturned Roe v. Wade was leaked in early May. Some of the reported attacks had some type of graffiti that said, If abortions are unsafe, neither are you. A group of abortion activists identifying themselves as Jane's Revenge claimed responsibility for several of the attacks. Now, if this had been the other way around... If a pro-life group was committing violence toward abortion clinics, the Biden administration would label them domestic terrorists and come down on them with the full force of the United States government. However, I won't hold my breath while waiting for Jane's revenge to be labeled domestic terrorists because I know it's not going to happen. Our next story comes from Iran and seems to be torn out of the book of Ezekiel. Last month, Russian President Vladimir Putin met with Iranian and Turkish leaders in Tehran. 
The trip marked only his second trip outside of Russia since the Ukraine war began. Given Russia's ongoing military campaign in Ukraine, this trip highlighted the significance of Russia's relationship with Iran and Turkey. So why should you care? You should care because more than 2,600 years ago, the prophet Ezekiel warned of a future time when a vast coalition of nations would attack Israel. The leader of this coalition is a man known as Gog, the ruler of Magog. According to Ezekiel, this alliance will send an overwhelming force to invade Israel in the last days. And today, for the first time in human history, we see this alliance forming. The stage is now set for the fulfillment of Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 prophecies. According to the Bible, it's only a matter of time before the Gog-Magog alliance of nations attacks Israel. And after that, it's only a matter of time before Jesus returns. Take note, Jesus is coming. Our last story is another sign that we're living at the end of this age. In Israel, the search for the perfect red heifer has intensified. The Temple Institute launched its red heifer program about a decade ago, but even in temple times, an animal that fulfilled the biblical requirements was exceedingly rare. Failing to produce a suitable candidate from ranchers in Israel, the Temple Institute began investigating alternative sources for a red heifer. Last year, the Temple Institute was contacted by a cattle farmer in Comanche, Texas, who informed them that five red calves had been born on his ranch, about two and a half hours' travel from Dallas, Texas. Normally, calves are ear-tagged when they are just a few days old. But by a remarkable coincidence, these five calves were not tagged, and also, coincidentally, all were female. Any blemish disqualifies the calf, and a hole in the ear is just such a blemish. The farmer explained that because of COVID, the employee who normally puts the tags in the ears of the calves did not come to the farm when these five calves were born. The Temple Institute is looking for a perfect red heifer for purification. Numbers 19 indicates that the entire temple service depends on the presence of water mixed with red heifer ash. So without the red heifer, the temple in Jerusalem cannot be rebuilt. A team of rabbis from the Temple Institute flew out to inspect the calves in Texas. Two of the five untagged heifers were extremely close to passing. One heifer had a very small white spot. Otherwise, it was perfect. The other had some hairs that could be red or black. So the search for the red heifer continues. The Temple Institute recently took out full-page ads in ranching magazines here in the United States requesting that any red calves be set aside. Without a doubt, a perfect red heifer will be found soon. That will wrap up this edition of Headlines from the End Times. For Dr. Larry Spargimino, this is James Collins leaving you with the words of the Apostle Paul, who said in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Today we are featuring the outstanding DVD, The Denizens of the Metacosm and the Encroaching Darkness by Chuck Missler. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com. And when you order the DVD, The Denizens of the Metacosm and the Encroaching Darkness by Chuck Missler, 
be sure to ask how you can become a faithful friend of Watchmen on the Wall. You'll be helping this ministry continue to bring uncensored information like what you're hearing today. 1-800-652-1144. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.